everyone, it's Katie here. Uh, welcome to the Sport and History podcast. Today we're chatting with Dave Smith. Uh, he's a public engagement officer at Heritage Key, um, and they are the information and records management and archive service at the University of Huddersfield. So what we're going to do is we're going to focus a little bit on how they might be able to help um, postgraduate and early career uh, researcher members, and also how you might be able to help them um, a little bit as well. And basically, as the postgraduate and early career researchers representative on the BSSH boards, what I want to do really is to not only promote the excellent work of our members, which hopefully you've heard in previous podcasts, um, but also provide information that's relevant um, to you as members and hopefully will be of use to, well, not just postgraduate and early career researchers, but to all members. So if you want to share your expertise at all with our members, then just drop me a line. My email address can be found on the BSSH website. Um, but for now, let's welcome Dave. Lovely to have you with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, uh, it's re I'm really excited to be here and kind of talk about what we've got and hopefully get people to come and pay us a visit. Fabulous. Uh, yeah, one of the previous podcasts, I, I was chatting with Emily Ankers and she was saying how much she loves po um, podcasts, how much she loves archives um, and the importance of using archives. So, I mean, the obvious thing to start with is, you know, what what is the scope of the archives you actually have um, at the University of Huddersfield? So uh, we're an academic archive. So like a lot of those, we've got a really broad range of uh, material. Quite often it's been collected because we've had researchers either currently or in the past who've been interested in areas. So have encouraged collecting. So we've got the history of the University of Huddersfield. That's um, probably longer than you think. It goes back to the 1840s. And then a wide variety of other collections, and we we cover um, politics. We cover we've got bits of industrial collections, as you might imagine, from the north of England. Um, we were just talking before, weren't we, about the Patrick Stewart yes. archive, which is a reasonably new addition. Um, Patrick Stewart is from near Huddersfield, so uh, he's deposited some of his materials with us. And then, of course, we've got sporting collections, which is why I'm here. So we are particularly proud of being the home of the Rugby Football League archive and the England Netball Archive, both of which are the National Sporting Body Collections. And um, what kind of services like do you offer to researchers? How can you support, I suppose, the research needs of postgraduate students, early career researchers? A lovely search room. That's probably a good place to start. That's free to access. Um, and we've put a lot of effort into cataloguing our collections and getting them ready for researchers. So not only do we have a nice space to come and sit in, but we've also got lots of information for people who are just starting out or don't quite know what they're looking for. Um, so we can give a quite a nice personal service, I think, that you maybe wouldn't get from a, a larger repository. Um, and we've got a lot of information on our website already um, for you to search on the catalogue. and a really friendly team to speak to if you've got inquiries. I think we really pride ourselves on our customer service and we have judged our customer service every year and we always do very well. So I think we're, we're like having a, a friend, I think at the end of the phone to speak to if, if you've got an archive inquiry. Yeah, and that's, that's always a nice thing, isn't it? Because sometimes, especially if you're in the early stages of research, maybe in the early stages of your PhD, the thought of going to an archive and not really knowing where to start kind of be quite intimidating so you kind of want that friendly face that um or that extra bit of support to kind of get yourself going um i know yeah, that absolutely it's funny um that's where you go 
I was going to say, it's, it's funny to, to, to think about it in the context of have we've been closed for about 12 months. So it's, it's really funny to think about what services we offer because there's the kind of what we normally offer and then what we're currently offering. I know we're going to talk about that. Um, yeah, it's been quite a challenging year, but I think we've done quite well at least keeping in touch with researchers. So even though we're not currently able to accept anybody into our search rooms, we are still helping provide things to people remotely as much as we can. So, so exactly on that kind of note, what sort of things have you, what, how have you had to adapt? How have you changed the way that you've been able to help researchers? Um, we're very lucky that we have got all of our kind of IT systems online. We can still search our catalogue. Uh, and what we've tried to do as much as possible is either provide, um, so in some cases we've got digital versions of things that we can provide to researchers, or we've been trying to kind of store up inquiries. And then when we have been on site, we've been able to go and kind of do a day of hard work, answering as many inquiries as possible, and then kind of coming away again. So I think hopefully in the near future, we'll be back in the office at least one day a week, perhaps, so we can start to dig in the boxes again. The other thing I think that um, we we find that we're we're good at for researchers is because we're, we're very well networked in both the rugby league and England netball um, historical communities. We've got really strong relationships with um, the sporting bodies um, who donated the collections and with lots of other researchers and kind of volunteers. So we can also put people in touch with other places of information quite easily. So we have probably done a bit more of that over the last year knowing that we might have something, but also knowing there's another version of it somewhere else and putting somebody in the right place. So that's been a really valuable thing to have those networks over the last 12 months. Yeah, and kind of establishing networks is is really useful when you're any kind of research, and especially early on, you don't necessarily know all the best places to go, or all the best people to kind of speak to. If you've got um, an archive like yourself that has those contacts and can pass them on to researchers, that, that helps enormously. Um, yeah, and we do we do offer a bit of um, free research time. We offer about half an hour free before we even kind of get onto charging. So we can do a bit of digging for people in the in the boxes first to at least um, give researchers an idea whether it's worth we're worth any kind of further investigation or not. Yeah, um, and then obviously you can come and look at the collections when it's safe to do so um, if there's things that you think are interesting. That's it. And that's that's a really useful thing because my research is on um, women who play American football. So my research has been based in the UK, but using stuff in America and arch archivists and and staff that work there, being them being able to give me more detail about what's in boxes means that I could significantly reduce or just use my time far more effectively when I got to the US. Um, because if I, I visited Vassa for um, Vassa College for a week, um, and the the chap that worked there, Dean Rogers, was amazing. Like he got various boxes out and checked what what were in them, and so that I had a, I could actually pinpoint exactly which boxes I wanted to look at, rather than not knowing that um, and him not helping that way. Um, otherwise, I'd have got there and I wouldn't have known what I was looking at, and everything would have taken twice as long. So, um, any of those sorts of so those sorts of things are so useful, um, especially if you've got to travel a long way to an archive as well. Um, Absolutely. In our rugby league collection in particular, we, we had a grant a few years ago to catalogue it properly. And we had an archivist to just work on that collection. And then we followed that up with hours and hours and hours of volunteer time to flesh out the rest of the catalogue. So it's probably one of the best catalogued collections we have. 
it, I can't see it being not one of the best catalogued sports collections that's available in the UK because we've put so much resource into knowing what there is and and um, providing the most information we can for researchers. Yeah, that's that just changes researchers' lives and makes it so much easier. <laughs> we do our best. <laughs> yeah. Um, and do you find those archives are really well used in your rugby league and netball ones? It's interesting. Um, I think it's fair to say that, particularly with the rugby league collection, there, there hasn't been a long tradition of lots of academic researchers who've looked at it. Um, some of your listeners will know the name of um, Professor Tony Collins. Yeah. Um, so Tony's research has been league history over the course of his career, but he hasn't had a lot of peers in, in, in that area of inquiry. So our feeling is, yes, we get lots of people come use the collections who are perhaps non-academic researchers. They're, they're working for clubs and foundations or it's their private research interest. But there's a there's a whole um, area of possibility for researchers um, who looking might look at stuff that an academic researcher has never touched, yeah. which is really exciting. The netball collection we've had for less time. They had a, a lottery funded project to produce a catalogue for that one, and then they've deposited with us. So there have been some researchers who've used it, particularly when it was at Netball HQ. But again. Um, we're kind of ready now to welcome researchers to look at it at Heritage Key and to uh, to get it more used because it's in the best condition and the best environment and the best systems in place than it's ever been in. Yeah, it sounds sounds fab. Um, as we were kind of planning this podcast chat and we were um, exchanging emails, you mentioned that um, you're a potential fund partnering partner for funding applications. Um, I was just wondering if you could tell us kind of more about what you meant by that and what opportunities there are. Yeah, of course. Well, I, sp- I would I would hope that some of your more eagle-eyed listeners will have noted that I'm not an archivist. Um, uh, I'm a public engagement officer, and something that's quite important to us as a service is is being involved in projects and in opportunities outside of just the the business of being an archive and providing access. So we are kind of open for business for potential bids to the research councils um we've been partners on bids to the heritage lottery fund um to lots of different um aspects because we want to get our collections out as much as possible and we we think that our particularly our sporting collections are full of really interesting stories that um we can help provide a platform for so um, if you were to go on our website, you might see some pictures of what Heritage Key looks like. We're a publicly accessible archive space um, and we have got public areas for exhibitions, for events, which are um, places for researchers to present their research to others. We're really keen on the idea of, of doing that with, um, with researchers. And we've done it with some of our other collections in the past where we've been involved in bids and there's been exhibitions and conferences. And we think that sporting collections offer similar opportunities. So and because we're a kind of cultural bit of a university, that means we are allowed to be a partner in other institutions funding applications, which is really exciting for us, I think. And it gets us outside of just working with Huddersfield and out into the world. Yeah. Um, And kind of linked with that, you mentioned obviously the fact that um, you've got spaces to host events and conferences. So what kind of size events do you kind of cater for? What kind of services are kind of 
linked with that if anyone was thinking about putting on a conference or something like that so the one thing that people that visit um, Heritage Key come away remembering, if anything else, is the big curvy screen. So we've got this amazing interactive wall where you can point at things in our collections and they get bigger or they play music. Um, a really nice um, way of exploring what we've got. But that screen serves a double purpose, which is also it's a presentation screen for conferences and events. So in our public spaces, we've hosted over the last um, seven years, almost seven years, six, six and a half years, hundreds of events, conferences, we've had demonstrations, fashion shows, life drawing. Um, we've done a speakeasy, we've done theatrical, anything you can imagine in a space in a building, we've probably done it. Um, and that is a space that is available to book for for anybody to come and use that space. We sometimes charge a small amount, sometimes we don't. Um, but we are a lovely sized conference venue for up to 100 people for talks. You can also hire our research room um, for kind of breakout spaces for about 20 people. Um, we're, we're very well linked to Manchester and Leeds in terms of transport links. So we're in a really nice location for kind of getting people to, to an event in the middle of the country. Um, and yeah, all the gears there, all the AV equipment is there. All the we've got lovely furniture to sit on. It's a the one of the things that our visitors always say is that the atmosphere, the vibe of our space is really nice and and very different to normal university spaces. So it's something that's kind of within a university but doesn't feel like it, which um, we get told for conferences and events is really nice. So. Yeah, we're kind of open, open to welcome people. You don't have to be looking at the rugby collections or the netball collections specifically, um, but it helps. Um, but yeah, we're just there as a, a nice space. And you can go on our website and see what we look like. Yeah, I was going to say, I've, I've been on the website and seen what the wall that you're talking about. And imagine that for kind of presentations. That is an immense size thing to have. You imagine having your research up on that sort of thing would be, would be fantastic. Uh, Absolutely. Fantastic and thing to see. It works really well for films as well, particularly like screening, screening um, sporting footage. Um, it's also got surround sound, so you get a really nice um, experience in there. Uh, and we've we've run loads of events with um, ex players of sports um, and speakers, um, and it just it just works really nicely. It's quite an intimate space, but you can still get a decent amount of people. No, it's it sounds it sounds really good. And if um, listeners, if you haven't. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, go and check out the picture of the screen because it does. It's like on a lot of the on the website. You see people kind of playing with it and things like that. Um, obviously, going back to kind of postgraduate students early career research, is I know that one of the things that you said is that you are keen to hear from them as to um, how they might be able to um, help you out. You, there's things that you might like to find out from postgrad and early career researchers. So. Um, what can you tell the folks to, how can they help? Well, that's a good question. Um, I think as much as anything, we'd, we'd like to know more about um, what people want from us in terms of those sporting collections. What's going to be the best ways for us to, to get that information to researchers, particularly if, they're, if travel is going to be an issue for researchers for the foreseeable future, which it might be to some degree. People don't necessarily want to travel. So if people want to come and access our collections, what's the best ways that we can serve researchers to do that? Or what other services might we 
might we think about providing so something we've not necessarily talked about much is digital and that's one of the areas that most archive services are grappling with at all times is how to how to produce better digital services for researchers so are there things that we can be doing to serve to, to provide more digital information and what kind of resources might we want to put towards that one of the things that we're going to be doing when we reopen is organizing what we call study days which is which is essentially a day outside of normal work um, opening hours for the research room where we just invite researchers to come look in the boxes we do it in an expedited way so it's not kind of sitting filling out a form and then waiting for an hour while somebody goes to the will say what do you want somebody like there'll be a runner there to go and get the box um but also not only about looking in the boxes but about a chance to meet other researchers to compare notes about what you're researching and leads and other archive collections that might be interesting to build a to help um be a part of that community so I suppose it'd be good to know from researchers, you know, what what would you want from an event like that? What would be useful? What would make you want to come to Huddersfield to interact with other researchers and to look in our boxes? Yeah, and I, I like that idea of getting lots of researchers together. It's part of one of the things I'm trying to do. Um, I, there's a new Facebook group for postgraduate and early career researcher members of um, BSSH, and part of that is to get people just engaging and talking to each other about what they're doing because I think especially in the past year it's been quite lonely probably being a postgrad and early career researcher because <laughs> you can't go and do the sorts of things you normally do I mean it's quite lonely anyway because you're kind of off on your own doing your own little bit of research not you know meeting classmates or anything it's not that kind of experience um so yeah what I'm trying to do is get people to know one another because then you can help each other out and days like that, you suddenly find there's someone else researching, not necessarily the same thing, but something similar. You can help each other out if you find something that you think they'll be interested in. You can kind of send those sorts of things over because um, networking is such an important part. Um, and I found it really useful with my research. Um, and I think kind of obviously days like that are going to be, be really, really handy. Absolutely. And we did we trialled an online version of it last year and um, we had um, we had Tony. Collins um, and a couple of other academic um, researchers who knew a bit about our collections there as well. So we'd be trying to invite more uh, researchers later on in their careers to maybe come and do a talk about what's in the collections or about what might be possible. Or we'd invite somebody from an one of those organisations to come and talk about well, actually how did a sporting body run in the 1980s. Um, so I suppose it'd be It'd be interesting to know who would be a who would be worth traveling to see in that kind of context i think as well you know who's worth speaking to about sporting heritage research and collections because uh, i think that's you don't get a lot of chance to talk to people face to face in that kind of context i don't think no, especially not at the moment no, exactly you're right <laughs> um and what you're saying about kind of digital I think obviously the pandemic one of the things that pandemic is going to change is that even after it's over people will be like well actually cannot some of this some of this research be done digitally so I think there'll be a big shift or a bit of a shift at least in that people will start looking for not having to travel quite as much in order to access things so anything that um, archives are doing to help that side of things um, I know that I've spoken about it before that um, there was something I, I wanted from the University of Texas. It was like one folder in, at the University of Texas. I wasn't going to fly to Austin 
to go and get it. And they were they were great. They they scanned it all, put it on a PDF and sent it to me. Um, and I think, yeah, A, people will be reluctant or a bit nervous about going out um, once this all ends. And then there'll also be this change in attitude where people might expect things to be more digital than they have been in the past. So, yeah, I think yes, I'm sure my archivist colleagues would probably want me to say that not everything can be digitized it's just not no. possible legally and just in terms of time there's so much stuff but if there are things that are you know that what the priority should be for researchers what's going to be the stuff that's most useful that's really helpful for us and think about how we do that um, and then how we how we figure out the rest of it or what the follow-up looks like yeah and is there, um, a, what's the best email address? Is it just the, if someone, you know, if our listeners have um, got some ideas and would like to get in touch about what they'd like to see um, see you guys do, is there a, a best website to, to contact you all on? Um, they can email me and the rest of the team at archives at HUD, which is hud.ac.uk. Um, and they can visit the Heritage Key website because we've got all the information on there as well. And you can also search our catalogues to get a sense of what we've got. Um, but yeah, I think we're we're really we're excited about the potential for these sporting collections. There's so much in there that I think, particularly with the netball collection, that being quite a new acquisition for us comparatively. Um, there's just loads to get into in there. So even if researchers just want to know a bit more about what the possibilities are we'd love to hear from them and we can kind of point the point researchers in the kind of interesting directions to see if there's things that grab their fancy yeah and presumably you're open to other sports who might not already have some kind of a repository for their materials um are you open to kind of other places submitting materials um, I, yeah, we're always happy to have a conversation. Um, and this is how the netball collection came about. We already had the, the RFL collection. I think England netball, they'd, they wanted somewhere to put all their material and we were a good fit because we already had the, the kind of one collection. So, um, we always love growing collections in clusters so that they, you know, can interact with each other. So yeah, if somebody has got something that they think might need a home, we're happy to have that chat. Fantastic. Um, I think that's, that's kind of the, the main question. Is there anything else that you'd like to kind of point out or say about Heritage Key before we kind of sign off? Um, I think I probably didn't explain why we've got the Rugby Football League archive. That's that's probably quite a good bit that whether that gets yeah. edited in at the beginning or not, I don't know. Oh, nice. <laughs> or, we, or we drop it at the end. Um, so the reason that we have the Rugby Football League collection is because Huddersfield is the birthplace of the Rugby Football League. Um, so if your listeners that maybe don't know much about the history of that sport in particular, um, the Northern rugby playing teams split away from the Southern organization in 1895 to start their own version of rugby, which over time changed its rules and its culture and became a different sport. But there's a hotel, or there was a hotel just next to the station in Huddersfield, which was where that meeting took place. So we're not only were we a, uh, a really great archive to put the collection in for the RFL, but there was an emotional connection with Huddersfield as well. And the RFL are looking at opening a museum about the history of rugby league um, in that hotel where the meeting was. They're just in the process of figuring out the funding bids to, to go in in the near future. So there's an opportunity for researchers, I think, to, particularly if they're thinking about the 
the public profile of their research over the next seven years, thinking about the next research excellence framework in particular, there will be a, a, a public space, a public facing space to present research, um, which hasn't been there before. So I think that that's a really interesting angle for that collection that there's suddenly this amazing opportunity to engage people with sporting heritage. It's fab. It's out, I mean, the whole thing kind of, it just sounds like such an exciting time for Heritage Keen, obviously for Huddersfield as well, um, to have all that kind of going on. Um, what's been lovely about our chat is that kind of the enthusiasm to kind of really help researchers and get people in there and get engaging with everything. So, I mean, if anyone listening, if, if rugby league and netball is definitely your your thing, um, then get in touch because um, you're obviously keen there to, to hear from folks. Um, and obviously you've got fabulous resources so there's nothing better than that um when you see a, a publication or an end product that has used research um, or materials in our collections we think that's great we've got even got a lovely bookshelf of things that have been published that involve our collections because we think it's what's the point otherwise apart from to get that knowledge out there in the world so yeah we'd love to hear from any of your listeners who might want to come and see what we've got fantastic um thanks so much for joining us it's been um it's been really interesting and positive to hear um hear everything that you've got to say yeah thank you for having me um so folks if you are interested in finding out more about the archives obviously as we said do check out the heritage key website um and don't forget that if you are a postgraduate student or an early career researcher and if you'd like to appear on the podcast and promote your research uh, just let me know uh, my details are all on the bssh website uh, so until next time, take care, everyone.